Welcome back, everybody, to the Last Week Liquid Podcast. Hope you're all having an amazing time wherever you are in the world. My name is Simon, and I produce drum and bass under the name Mill Street. And today I'm bringing you my chat with Spencer, also known as Grey Code. Uh, usual housekeeping before uh, I leave you to the episode. Um, please check out our uh, YouTube channel. If you haven't yet, uh, go and give it a sub. It'd be great if we could reach uh, 100 subs before the end of the year. We're uploading all uh, episodes there now, uh, the full video format and clips from uh, previous episodes as well. So if you enjoy the video format uh, of, uh, of podcasts in general, make sure to check out uh, our YouTube channel. Secondly, make sure to check out uh, our Patreon uh, if you want to get early access to the episodes, if you want to be able to ask questions to future guests or even make uh, suggestions as to who should come on the show, all of that happens on Patreon. Uh, for this week, special shout out to my Liquid Legends supporters, Duncan Winslow, Elliot Talamic, Nathan McKay and Steve Nelson. And also a massive shout to all the other Jungle Junior supporters uh, on Patreon as well. Uh, you guys are the best and you keep me going. So thanks a lot for your support. So yeah, with that out of the way, let's get into the episode. Uh, had a great chat with uh, with Spencer on this one. Uh, we talked a lot about uh, the metaverse uh, in the intro, uh, Facebook rebranding to meta and virtual reality in general and why that doesn't really uh, interest him. Uh, so yeah, fascinating chat about that. Uh, we talk about his latest single on Metalheads. We talk about how he integrates strings and orchestral sections in his tracks. We talk about our shared love uh, for heavy metal uh, and a lot more. Really love this chat. Uh, Spencer is really a, uh, an awesome and really nice guy. Um, and as we were speaking and as this episode has come out, I believe he's announced... Uh, the release of his full-length, uh, first full-length album on Metalheads. Uh, so once uh, that drops, uh, make sure to check him out because his music is just brilliant. So, yeah, with all of that said, uh, really hope you guys uh, enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed uh, chatting. And, uh, yeah, in the meantime, thanks a lot for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show. And we're on. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Last Week Liquid podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with none other than Spencer, better known as Grey Code. Spencer is a drum and bass producer and DJ based out of Bristol, which releases across the likes of Dispatch, Skank and Bass, and Metalheads. You can catch his latest release, the two-tracker Opal and Suze, out now on all platforms. Spencer, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh... We're, actually, I wrote that intro because I thought you were still in Bristol, but you just told me you're actually based in London. Yeah, I moved in. Um, I moved in February. Okay, nice. How's that? How's that move been for you? Great. Um, yeah, I love London. I always kind of wanted to move. Um, I'd spent a couple months here in the past uh, for work, um, work experience, things like that, and always had a good time. So it was just a, it was a nice, nice time to move. I've been in Bristol for like almost six years, so. Mm. I was kind of ready for a bit of change. Yeah, yeah. So, so was that a move like work work related move, or was it just more kind of life lifestyle change? 
Yeah, it's more a lifestyle change. Um, okay. It was work related in terms of. Uh, well, well, I mean, it's not work related because I can work. Uh, I work remotely because I work for like, an Australian company, so okay, I can nice. kind of uh, work wherever. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was just a move for just. I just wanted a bit of change, really. Yeah. Not yeah. my friends live in in London, so. Ah, oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I often. Uh, I had the question often because I used to live in, in Hong Kong for two years. Uh, and when I would say to people there that I, we moved with my wife from Belgium, where I'm from, and they'd say, oh, like, did you find a job or something? And we were like, no, nah, not really. Like, we <laughs> just moved here to, like, try something new. <laughs> yeah, and then, we cool. then we found jobs there, but it was more kind of, yeah, just changing, you know, change of environment and try something new, see how it goes. If it yeah. sucks, you come back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're not yeah. tied down. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and we both work also. My wife works in like digital marketing and I yeah, have kind of a flexible business analyst kind of role. So it's quite easy to move around, find jobs and, and that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, tell me a bit about your job. So you're working for a Australian company. What's, what do you do exactly? I'm a uh, software developer. Okay. I work on um, some technology to help uh, bosses make them more efficient and uh, okay, nice. organize which ways that they, they should go, like plan their routes and stuff. Oh, nice. So so is that for buses in Australia or is it? Uh, yeah, but also like uh, globally now. Okay. So working on expansion. Okay, nice, nice. Is that, is that related to your studies? Because I read that you, you studied uh, computer science, I think. Yeah, yeah. So is that like a direct just connection with your studies? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like it's the the course that I did is very like vocational. So mm. after that, you can kind of go into any like nice software nice. engineering role. Yeah. 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 Do you have any dreams of working for like the big, uh, I know Google, Facebook, those kind of companies, or no. not really? <laughs> <laughs> Quite happily avoid that. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like maybe if I if I like if I want the money later on, mm. then it's always an option. Um, but for, like, there's not really much that I'd think. Like, there's nothing that really inspires me um, mm. working for a company like that. I think I'd like to work for a company that I think does some amount of good, at least. Or at least actively yeah. nothing bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it was funny. I, I was having this chat with a friend yesterday. Um, and we were saying how when I was in at university studying business and somebody, somebody said, oh, yeah, I have, like, an internship at Google or something everybody would be like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. But now if somebody tells me they're working at Google or Facebook or, or even Amazon, you're like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, it's impressive because it's, they're usually quite uh, difficult companies to get jobs in, in, yeah. in, in software engineering anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't think it's a particularly like inspiring product. Say Facebook, yeah. for example. Yeah, or Meta. We're supposed to call it. Oh, Meta. Now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that something you kind of follow, like what just what tech companies are, are doing in general? Or I do, way? I do in terms of um, I like finding, uh, I like seeing the the big tech companies when they do something ridiculous, like for example, like the metaverse. I think is like an awful idea. Okay. Not that it's necessarily like not going to be um, popular or like successful for them. Um, but I, I don't like the idea of it, and it's just it's interesting to see Facebook going down this down this route because it's like 
they kind of used to, I think it's like kind of their like existential crisis after having like the world's leading social media platform. And now it's just been kind of like that title's taken away from them. And it's the only like boomers who use their platform mostly now. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, obviously they still use it. Like there's still a lot of um, news and stuff I get on there and things like that. But it's not really, I think, yeah, I actually don't know whether it's still actively like a growing user base. Um, mm. Probably not exponentially as it was. Um, so I feel like it's kind of like their midlife crisis of we yeah. need to branch out and do something different. <laughs> what can we monopolize on that no one else has started yeah. yet which makes yeah, sense because no. they bought like oculus like yeah, yeah, 10 yeah. years ago no not 10 years ago recently ish yeah so maybe it was like a a later a later play that maybe they had it in mind all along yeah i'm sure they had it they had it planned because it fits really well with the whole vr stuff that they've they've been investing in and but uh yeah no definitely it's it's when you hear facebook it's had so much bad press it doesn't have the same like I remember when I like discovered Facebook and I think you're even a bit younger than me, but uh, when I was in school and new people were saying, oh yeah, I'm on Facebook and blah, blah. And it was this like exciting new thing. It was. <laughs> and, and now you hear, like just hearing the name Facebook, I think that was a big part also of rebranding mm. is like has such a bad, bad rap now of like just the name Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, and it's only been, uh, how long has it been? Like maybe not 10, 15 years that it was launched. Like it's yeah. relatively recent-ish, but it's crazy the change that happened. Yeah, and I think it's like it's one of those things where like when the name gets used in so many different places, like in so many different analogies, and by so it's like now it's suddenly caught up and become like in the zeitgeist of words that you would say. It's just yeah. I think probably now it's just lost some of its pizzazz when because I, I feel like with a lot of social media you, you kind of want it like a bit in groupy. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be on just like the the generic platform. It's kind of like nice to have like a a subset community. Yeah, when it's yeah, so like yeah. ubiquitous with everyone, then it kind yeah. of like maybe it falls apart a bit. Which yeah, is kind yeah. of like interesting considering that like social media is meant to grow and like encompass everyone. But maybe the the d- appeal to it is not that it everyone uses it. Yeah, but I like it's... just your friends or just people your age or something like that. Yeah. I think it's, it's like everything in life. It's like when you discover an underground band or something, it's like your thing and you have just yeah. a few friends that listen to them and then they become huge and mainstream. And it's like, fuck this, I'm, I'm onto something else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and even sometimes it's just like you've experienced something so many times that it just becomes like you're used to it and it's yeah. you just go for something else and that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. So just coming back to the, like the uh, promise, we'll talk about music at some point. I love the, <laughs> I love these topics, but because I spoke a few times about uh, virtual reality with Muzz and and Justin Hawks, and they're big into yeah virtual reality and the future of live gigs and all of that, and mm. a lot of stuff I've I'd never really heard of, and really blew my mind when they told me what was actually possible and what was already happening right now with virtual clubs and lineups yeah. and all of that. So what are kind of your thoughts around that whole that whole space ecosystem because I guess you're not a fan of of meta in in, <laughs> in general but I mean yeah. I'm not sure why it's not uh, it might just be more of like I'm it's more of like an ideological stance against uh, against like going against Facebook just cuz I just don't like it as an idea mm. I probably would enjoy it I'm sure like if they spent thousands and thousands of hours working on it I'm sure it won't be awful <laughs> well you'd hope anyway 
But um, I mean, I don't really care for like VR that much. Like I did um, I had a VR experience recently. I went to uh, a VR. I think I can't remember what it's called. It's like a VR games experience hub mm-hmm. in uh, in Hoxton. What was it called? I can't remember the name of it. But basically, it's like you've got these pods um, down the side of the room, and each one has got like an Oculus, which is the headset. Yeah. And a HTC Vives, which are like the handsets. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and then you are like separated out into these pods, um, and then they're allowed to play like VR games with like the party that you came with. Mm. And it was actually re- I had, it was really fun. I had a really good time. Um, but and like, I could I suppose see it moving into other things, but I I think I'd only use it as like a, a fallback if I mm. couldn't have the access to other things um yeah because like there's a lot of times where like i, I still think the tech's not that good yeah there's still a lot of like cognitive dissonance between like when you're meant to walk and you start walking with your feet it's like oh no you're meant to move your hands it's like okay yeah. well that's like <laughs> you're supposed to do like this or <laughs> yeah exactly like there's loads of things where it's like oh, it's, a, it's still a bit lame in that regard mm. it's still like you're still treating it with a lens of this is a new technology and it's not yeah. matured yet so you kind of give it a lot of leeway, but if you actually like criticize it, it's like it's all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's still early. Yeah, yeah, and it can, mm. yeah, like, and so many people will still get a lot of nausea from it. Oh, really? Yeah, like I, I was with um, I went with my girlfriend, and she felt like sick for like halfway through it because, oh, and like, so many people felt get like um, because you can get like vertigo and things through it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm not sure whether that's due to like it feeling unnatural or whether it's actually or whether your brain feels like it's like too natural <laughs> yeah um, what might cause that but i just think it's too nascent in that regard to yeah. really and also like these things are so expensive mm. it's not very uh like the amount of time it would take for it to like actually penetrate and everyone to have one or for it to reach like the critical mass where like I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't really yeah, like yeah. can think of the use cases really. Yeah, no. I like to think about it, but uh, yeah, it's, it's it's true. It's super expensive at the moment. But if you think back to computers, like in I don't know, ten, fifteen years, and then everybody's yeah. like with the Macs, and then everybody started having one, and that was kind of unimaginable. So I think we always underestimate how fast you you probably know this way better than, than I do, being in computer science, but underestimate how fast things can move and and change. But uh, yeah, yeah I don't know. It's, yeah, it's interesting to think about, and especially in the context of of uh, of live music and live gigs, because uh, Muzz had his whole like virtual reality tour with like different dates and mm. different venues, and he made a really like strong case for it being complementary to real real life gigs for people who either don't feel safe in live yeah. gigs or just not comfortable being in big crowds or a lot of different reasons where you, you're like, yeah, I can see why you'd be, you'd want to stay in your living room, just pop yeah. on a headset, you know? <laughs> I don't know how yeah. you feel about that. Yeah. No, that's cool. I, I can totally see it as like a, an accessibility option. I think that's a, a really nice um, way of doing it or even like providing ways for, um, if you're not able to attend a gig, like a live gig, actually to have like a support there at the gig to be able to stream it or something. Yeah, I think that's cool. Um, I'm like, I'm for people doing it. It's just not something that I'd be interested in personally. Yeah, yeah. Um, just because, 
I don't know. I like what there is currently. I like yeah. the. It's not just like the. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of stuff out going out and stuff that's not just about sitting down and listening to music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The actual experience of bumping into people and talking yeah. to people. I don't know how much that really happens in VR. Probably does, but not the same extent. Probably. Yeah, exactly. It seems like um. And or even just like going somewhere different. I think like having the actual change of scenery from I'm not sure really how much it would work in VR, but like just leaving your house and going somewhere else, mm. if you can do that, I think is a can be a a worthwhile experience. Doesn't sound like even in terms of like from COVID, everyone having to be at home all the time. Yeah. Um, I think having to do that is not a good like I think it was detrimental to I felt people, a lot of people felt that it wasn't great for them no, myself included not. like I'm now in a co-working space um for work um but beforehand I was in I was just working from home and I didn't really realize until I moved out I was like oh I'll probably just do like one day a week in the office or something as soon as I come here like I've done it every day since <laughs> I had the opportunity to because it's just like it's really nice <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah be able to have that change of context have home as home have work as work yeah um yeah there are so many nice things about it yeah um yeah so yeah i can definitely see like the perks of um vr but it's just not not something that i'm interested yeah. in for myself yeah 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 no for for the record i've never actually tried it and i i feel like i'm trying to convince you here but i've never <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i've never actually tried it it's just yeah I'm just always like curious about like new technologies and new, yeah, people kind of pushing boundaries in certain directions. Mm. And all of this kind of fascinates me. So, yeah, I'm just curious where where this is all going. But uh, yeah, I can definitely see the downsides of I don't know getting trapped in yeah virtual worlds and not not enjoying just what's already around you and going outside and yeah things like that. I can imagine it being like if you could have like an, a seamless integration with like because I know a lot of people spend a lot of their time on discord if people are already in a space like that and are already communicating it'd be kind of cool if you could be like oh okay let's um do an activity together or let's uh, yeah. enter a different environment like if you're already within that environment i think it makes a lot of sense hmm. and i think it's quite a natural progression to just go from like um audio chat with your friends to be able to do something like wechat or something the that's like one of the vr um talking like i don't know really what is like a sandbox game mm. um but if you could like seamlessly kind of go from just talking with your friends to then doing something with them in like more vr capacity i think that'd be pretty cool yeah yeah it'd be a natural progression of yeah just chatting by messages and then having your avatar and speaking with people yeah. directly i mean it doesn't really matter what we think i think it's gonna it's yeah. gonna happen <laughs> and then <laughs> i mean people people will like it and others won't and so people will use it and others Absolutely, won't and yeah. that's about it <laughs> yeah it's very but, uh, fine <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but um yeah let's bring it to, to music for a second uh so your latest release opel and, and suze on metalheads uh has been out for a bit over a month a bit less than a month something like that uh how has the reception been so far on those, those two tracks because i love them i think they're brilliant but uh how have they been received so far yeah, it's been received well. It's it's interesting because it was the one of my so it's my first like single project on Metalheads. Previous to that, everything has been an EP. Um, yeah. 
and then I had a, like collaborations on other things as well. But yeah, it was my so it was my first single, and it was actually it was quite exciting because it was the first project that I'd done through Metalheads, which was done within like maybe six months mm. of starting it. All the other projects have a lot longer burn time, like vinyl pressing, etc. Takes everything over like a year for sure. Yeah. So this was quite like a spontaneous release, um, so which is quite exciting because I kind of wrote uh, Opal in maybe March, April. Okay, um, yeah, that's quick enough, yeah. <laughs> that, but then I finished it up around uh, maybe like June or July, even later. So that, it was it was exciting because that was something that I'd. Um, it was just like a new style, a new direction that I was trying out, and it was really cool to be able to like gather out. Um, within like a pretty quick turnaround yeah because i think sometimes like a tune that you might sit on for a while when it loses the context of the time that it was created in loses some of its like value Mm. or like relevance to you Mm. so it was nice to have that out and yeah the reception was really good um i was surprised for opal like the reception on it like it was really positive because it's not really a particularly like dance floor friendly track it's a um, weird one. It's a weird one, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was um, I was really I was really pleased and surprised by how people like uh, latched onto it. And then Suso as well is more of like a that was more of like a more tried and tested tune. Mm-hmm. I'd uh, played out previous versions for a long time in in clubs and shows. So yeah, it was uh, a quite a nice pairing, I think. Yeah. So I think. If you go for two more abstract tunes, then people can either it, it polarizes people. Whereas if you kind of balance it out, then yeah. everyone's happy. You need to. It's all all about those like two circles that come back to of what yeah. you want to do and what people want to hear, and you always have to juggle between the two of like, okay, I really want to do this weird thing, but people probably want to hear a banger. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which How is often, the, yeah. Oh, sorry, go sorry. ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say that it's often that um, the two meetings of that in a single tune that makes like the bangers. It's like yeah. the, you either have like a song which is like, yeah, a perfect mixture of what you want to do and what people want to hear, or like kind of a emergent properties tune, which is kind of like a, a strange one, which you can't even describe why it's good. Like the mm. individual sounds you break down, you're like, there's nothing special, but then together it just kind of, brings out this emergent property that's like wow okay this is great track yeah yeah it's the the sweet spot i think everybody's always looking for when they're yeah they're writing tunes is like i want to do what i wanted what i want to do but at the same time you want people to listen to it so it's yeah <laughs> it's always a balancing act uh but yeah so, so what was the the kind of the reason to release it as a single because i read i read that you said that uh usually eps you just write one track, two tracks, mm. three, four, five, and then when you reach four, five, that's your EP. And if it fits together, then you put it out. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. what was what was kind of the reason for stopping at two tracks this time and and not going for an EP as as previously? It was uh, to do some nice timetabling and releasing for my album coming out. Mm. So it was a uh, it was kind of like the it's the layup, it's the assist okay. for the album, which will be. Um, yeah, well, if you can imagine that that was dropped recently in preparation for the album, then you can imagine that the uh, album's not too far away. <laughs> oh, nice. Is that public uh, 
I haven't seen anything about it. I, I know you spoke about an album on Metalheads a few last year or two years back. But uh, yeah, yeah. As in, it's known that I'm doing an album yeah. and that it's coming out soon. Uh, some of the details, like, are public, but like yeah. the, the the main meat of it is uh is coming soon. Ah, oh, brilliant, brilliant, good stuff. Ah, uh, really excited for that one. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, so so coming back to that, that single, what was the uh i don't know if you remember writing opal like how how that came about because there's a lot yeah. of weird sounds like guitar wise the whole orchestral section that comes in tell me about how about how it came together um so it came together i remember i remember writing it it was a i can't remember the like the date but i remember it was on a weekend and it was at the end of the weekend i think on a sunday and i was really ill throughout a lot of the the weekend um and I just felt I was really sick and didn't feel good. Um, so kind of by Sunday, I was quite like delirious and quite felt quite like a floaty. Mm. Um, and I thought like, but I felt kind of like had a bit of that like mental clarity of like, okay, I'm going to write a tune. Um, and then I was just kind of like messing around and then I found like this, the guitar sound, which is like the, the main sound of the, of the track. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, playing it and then I just made like the main progression from that and I thought okay it's quite cool how could I and then I was I was really in the mood of making a song that has like very minimal drums um so either like very sparse pattern or sparse pattern and like small sounds or stranger sounds um because I thought it'd be cool to make a tune which is like carried not by the drums Mm. try and um shift the focus elsewhere and so like see whether it kind of like rolls in a similar way. Um, and then I wrote most of it in that session. Uh, and then later on, I think when I was finishing it, I like fleshed out the intro a bit more. Um, and like added a few just like tasty extras um, on top of it. But like all the melodies and stuff were kind of wrote in that, that first session. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah, usually kind of like the way to go, if you can. When you kind of got that, you're in that mindset where everything just flows. It's kind of like when you come back to it, you can just trust that. Yeah. I think oh no, it was probably good. I wrote it at the time, even if I'm not like super feeling it now. I'll sit with it for a bit, and I'm like oh yeah, he was right. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it is good. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have to sit long on on that one to? make sure it was good or were you sure like the next day yeah yeah is, yeah no I, I think usually because i work in like one tune at a time i keep that tune just in my head like all the time mm-hmm. so like whenever i'm i'm working or just like if i'm doing other things during the day or sometimes it might just come into my head and then i'll think about like okay what else can i add to it what else should i change so i kind of like the song sits with me for a nice like period of time it's usually how long does it take me usually like I usually produce a tune about one a month. Okay. Um, so, and it just kind of sits with me. It kind of depends, like, how much time I have to make music. Um, but, yeah, it just sits with me. And then, like, either after a couple of sessions, it's, like, done to the point where it would just be fine details from then on. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, basically, I always write the tune until it's at that point. Yeah. So it, I think sometimes it ends up with my songs being a lot more crowded than they should be as in like having a lot more elements in that probably they need to. Like I think the 
the best songs are like a refined use of a few elements as opposed to lots of elements because it's kind of like it's quite a cheap easy way to be mm. like oh look i'm doing something interesting yeah, yeah. But, look at that, all this stuff happening yeah here. exactly <laughs> be distracted be distracted <laughs> yeah <laughs> um whereas like i think yeah the best songs are often well yes yeah, again it's that balance of simplicity um versus yeah not having enough going on yeah yeah I think it's always tricky because when you're writing the tune, you know exactly all the elements that you've put in mm. into the arrangement. So sometimes it can feel like there's a lot, but for somebody hearing it the first time, it might not seem the same way because they yeah. all fit together so well. So it's it's hard to really make out like, is it too much or is it okay? <laughs> it's true, it's true. Um, yeah, I think in terms of like, yeah, sound choice of sounds, you can restrict it. And it's like, Drum bass is often so like repetitive anyway. In terms of like, it's it's a loop based genre. Mm. Like, you have some freedom to kind of break the break the style, but like, you also have to make remember that it's drum bass tune. Well, I I try to remember that it's a bit of a it is drum bass tune, so it does give you parameters to work around, which also allows you to be creative, I suppose. Yeah. So so tell me a bit about the the orchestral section that comes in uh a bit after the drop because that really caught me like yeah off guard like most people i guess and i i saw that video of uh of goldie on on instagram where he's listening to it and when the strings come in he's like Ooh. yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, do, do you remember seeing that video like how did you how did you yeah. feel when you saw him reacted <laughs> oh yeah that was great i think it was like uh it was probably a, a morning for me because i think he was a. Uh, he recorded it in his afternoon in Thailand, and uh, that's often in the middle of the night. So, um, yeah, no, that was great, and I, it was like it, it was exactly the reaction I wanted. Mm. Um, yeah, that was um, that's one of the those the my, like my favorite parts of music is writing things like that when you've got mm. like when you've got like an established base of a track, uh, like melodically and like harmonically, and then after that you feel like. Now I've got this and I'm safe. I you can just go to town with like, it, like you can when you're hearing like the whole rest of the song, you can kind of be like, oh no, this is this is what I'm gonna the direction I'm gonna go for. This is like mm. the the melody I'm gonna pick, and it's all and it all just like fits together really nicely. Yeah, yeah, it's all about. I feel it's about subverting expectations. I feel like the worst. The worst thing that can happen is if I put on a drum and bass tune and then I maybe I'm working on something and then I don't realize it's playing anymore. Yeah. And usually the the best sign is if I put something on and then something happens in the track and I kind of like stand up like yeah, what, yeah. like what was this? <laughs> Absolutely. That's why like I think it's interesting that you talk about that because Spotify kind of works in a like the opposite way to that. Like Spotify mm. made money from having um lots of streams yeah. and having you listening to the uh the platform well maybe not as much for paid listeners, but basically they want you to or say for example youtube they want you to just keep watching and keep things yeah. on say for example with mixes so they want it to not really grab your attention it wants mm. they want it so it's not bad enough for you to turn it off but not like necessarily good enough that you will then uh interrupt what you're doing and then listen to that and then maybe turn it off they just kind of want it to like sneakily sit by yeah nice and passive nice and passive <laughs> which is like kind of a 
a weird way of that, that's why I was kind of like against listening on, to music on Spotify for so long because I was always against that kind of like it picking songs for you and um, kind of turning music into a passive activity instead of like mm. an active one. Yeah. So I always like really liked having, like, I was always a, a massive iTunes library person. I had like a huge library and it was, I was always very like keen on making my own playlists and mm. always creating cues of like, no, no, and this will, this will be a perfect cue. Um, so I was always quite against Spotify. Like, I do really like it now and it has become my main source of music, music listening. But that was only because um, Google Play Music shut down. Okay. Uh, and I used to have like all my music um, ported from there onto, well, from iTunes onto there. But then after that break, I was like, oh no, suddenly I've got zero music. My whole, all my libraries are gone because <laughs> I can't <laughs> listen to them anymore. So um, yeah, yeah, then I had to rebuild on, on Spotify. Mm. So I guess you won't be applying for a job at Spotify either. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's okay. It's nothing that like, I don't think it's like that exciting Spotify. So, I'd love to. <laughs> Spotify, no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm just messing. I, I know I was, I was looking for a job this, earlier this year and I applied for a few ones at Spotify, but they're, they're a bit like Amazon and Google. You have to be like the top 1% of whatever you, you do to yeah. actually stand a chance. So sadly didn't hear back from them. <laughs> You're too good for them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's say that. <laughs> but um yeah, yeah. So so coming back to the I was mentioning uh yeah, being pulled from from the music and uh uh mm. because of those strings. So how did you kind of get the idea, I guess, for the strings, but how did you arrange them i guess more yeah, is it yeah. like sample based libraries how did that go about yeah it's all um it's all in midi so i would i would just like played it out um and i think the actual the idea for the melody um came from a jai paul song um he's got uh i think it's called uh genevieve by jai paul um it's either that or i can't remember it's another track from that album um but it just has like this like upward uh, melody mm. uh, that comes in during like one of the songs. I just think like it was, just, it was something that really like captured me at the time. I just think, like wow, that's really cool. Um, I thought, and it kind of just like I, it was, I was listening to it a lot at the time, and it kind of just like naturally specified into when I was doing my own song, thinking like, mm. oh yeah, I'll just do it. I'll do a similar similar way. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's all. Um, it's all strings, uh, I think. Strings and maybe a, a guitar. I think it's like a bowed, bowed cello, electric mm. bowed electric cello, and then um, some other sounds underneath. Mm. Um, I don't. I I think I just picked the like the the electric cello because it was just like kind of a. I don't know really why I chose it. It just kind of felt like the. It's easy to have like quite a dynamic sound with like if you're using like um original recording sounds like for example a guitar or like more orchestral stuff it's easy to get like the kind of dynamics that in the sound that i think it's quite difficult to get in a lot of electronic sounds okay um and i think that it's important to have like the dynamic sounds are more emotive um you can kind of hear more like the emotion played or you can kind of imagine it being played which i think gives you a better connection to the song because mm. you can kind of like hear it more as a 
a human made thing as opposed to something that's I think that's why like a lot of very rigid songs aren't very I don't think people like them very much when it sounds too technical or like too yeah. computerized. Yeah, um yeah. I think that's also why like one of the the barriers to electronic music is that people can't hear what went into it being made. And it sounds like computer sounds as opposed to yeah. someone's composition. Um so yeah, I I, I picked the the strings for mainly just because it's a it's, it's a cool sound um nice and dynamic it kind of flows um in a nice way which yeah. i think is quite difficult to get like that nice like legato is like sometimes a bit sounds a bit too robotic on a lot of other instruments yeah so yeah and it's like it's it's like it's quite a, a normal enough sound that you can because it's got like loads of harmonic content, I feel like when you uh, filter out either some sections of it, you still got like enough harmonic content to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you can place it in the mix, like kind of wherever you want. Because mm-hmm. it's always quite rich wherever you have it. Yeah. 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 Def. Like when I heard it, I was like, yeah, this. He probably went into a studio with a proper like orchestra <laughs> playing it or something. Like it sounds so. <laughs> You know, real and so because you can oh, hear. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah, you can yeah. hear what's when something is played by, and I think you 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 played cello when you were younger, so I'm guessing mm. like there's there's some knowledge that passed on, but you can hear what when somebody has no idea of how strings work, but actually, mm. but put strings in a in a track is and I'm basically talking about myself here, but you're basically like playing just one chord and then another. Yeah, yeah. It it just feels so like artificial, <laughs> but uh. Yeah, I don't know how much did you draw on your your own experience of playing cello of of learning cello. Yeah, well, I think because I'd done it for long for long enough, um, I think it kind of like helped me then just like think of when I'm listening to music. It's kind of like how I translated it. So, like for melodies or whatever, you kind of think. I think you, you've always got that context in the back of your mind of this is how you translate ideas into music Mm. um so it kind of goes through that filter i suppose so whenever i'm doing strings i feel like it's quite like a natural extension of like my brain i don't need to like uh think about like so for example if i'm playing piano i don't really know how to play piano um so i've got like there's always there's like a greater um delay between me having ideas in my head and me being able to get them down yeah whereas if i got an idea that requires a string then i'm like oh i know exactly how i can mm. place it and play it so i think like it kind of just works for me because it's like it's an instrument that i'm used to that i just like know quite well so mm. it just like sits better yeah um i find it yeah a lot easier to do like string based things which is probably why you hear a lot of strings in my things yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was wondering also if uh is it because a lot of it sounds almost cinematic and mm. tracks like um uh what was it on your 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 first metal head EP King's Rock King's Rock oh, yeah, yeah 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 King's Rock which really feels like cinematic like it belongs in a in a movie I was wondering how much like do movie soundtracks influence you in your in your productions or is it just your love of of strings and cello in general Yeah I think so I I don't really listen to um soundtracks that much at all i think that 
probably me and the soundtrack composers draw the same way from like like orchestral music Mm. so like we're both we both like stem from that in terms of like thinking about how we'll arrange tracks in like that kind of like grand way um I mean, like at school I played in like part of orchestras and stuff like that and it was always like a I think that was really helpful because like from a quite a young age you get to see like the arrangement of firstly like long pieces of music with lots of different instruments um and how they kind of like sit together like tonally but then also like arrangement wise mm. and think seeing like how like different things like counter each other having your different like subset sections of your like your string sections or whatever some playing like the main line and then like something coming in with a harmony mm. so i think that was probably really useful like it was not something that i like enjoyed at the time mm. or <laughs> or as thought a, like this is, is beneficial <laughs> yeah so either i'm looking back on it and then applying think like thinking oh it was a worth wor- it was w- worthwhile so that I don't feel like I wasted it <laughs> or yeah. it was actually just beneficial, which it probably was. I'm sure it was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had the same, <clears throat> same experience kind of learning piano when I was younger and I did five or six years of, of piano lessons and, uh, yeah. And I used to not really enjoy it for the most part. And there was a lot of, there was a bit of like contemp- contemporary music, uh, like I would learn Harry, Harry Potter themes and things like that. And But then I had to do my Debussy and more classical stuff and didn't enjoy it that much. But now when I look back on it, like it, it enabled me so much in terms of learning the guitar and yeah. just writing like chord progressions when I'm writing music or uh, yeah, so many different things that you don't really appreciate when you're 10 or 12. <laughs> Yeah, what kind of uh, guitar stuff do you play? Uh, so I used to, I, when I, <clears throat> when I actually picked up the guitar, it was just to play Blink songs, Blink-182. Yeah. That nice. was like, that's the only thing I wanted to do. And I learned pretty much every song that I could, like just, it's it's basically quite straightforward when you're learning guitar, like it's three chords, power chords, and you're off. So that was like the, my first entry. Uh, and then more heavy metal, because that was really the music I was into, so yeah more yeah heavy stuff and uh used to play in a in a band but not anymore um so now it's just yeah just myself just kind of riffing some nice. some heavy yeah. stuff yeah yeah you, you also That's play a cool. bit of guitar i think yeah yeah um i play guitar probably more so than oh, more so than i did cello i did it for quite a long time um and then like i stopped for probably like six seven years or something and then like two years ago i i, I picked it up again um and I was just like, I started playing just like, I was listening to a lot more guitar music. Um, and I started playing some more things. It was like, oh yeah, I also kind of like, when I was younger, I really liked uh, like metal and stuff like that. And then I kind of like fell out of touch with it, I suppose, for mm-hmm. like quite a long time. And then kind of like 2019, end of that, maybe 2020, I, I got back into it. And then that kind of like, like after listening to that, it kind of made me like think back to playing guitar, and it kind of like made me th- pick that up again. Yeah. Um. So then I started like trying to play. I was then yeah, like whenever I played guitar, it's always just like, oh, when I learn how to play that, and I was always yeah. just like picking songs and trying to play them. I was never like 
trying to use it as like a, an instrument to make music or anything. I always just wanted it to be able to like recreate yeah. the songs I really liked. Yeah, um, just play the play the solos and all that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How yeah, it's funny. Think, yeah. So sorry, go ahead. No, nothing. Uh, I was going to say it's funny how also with drone bass and and metal, I kind of went through cycles in my life of also like long periods of several years, not really listening to drone bass and just being full on heavy metal mm. and then dropping a bit of heavy metal. And it's only like last year, a bit with the pandemic. And then last year that I started getting a lot more back into it as well. Yeah, uh, I think it's like it's it's such a it's a, it's a good genre if like. Because there's there's not much music which really like expresses sad feelings or the kind of like anxiety or like that kind of I I I like the the sort of like the the tense feeling mm-hmm. you get from a lot of metal. Um, I think it's really useful for like your own emotional uh, outlet is to like listen to that kind of music because it allows you to kind mm-hmm. of like feel in touch with um, those emotions in like a quite a, like a natural healthy way. Yeah. So I yeah, like I I never really listened to like particularly like I never listened to like any screaming stuff until like uh recently when I was shown like Death Heaven. Um mm. and then I was and then like they've become one of my like favorite bands. Well like recently anyway. Yeah. Um I was just thought it's like it's so different to like, anything that I've ever listened to. And it's like mm. you can really hear like the kind of like the pain and the yeah, yeah. the struggle that the <laughs> They had like writing at the time. It's like it's kind of nice. It's uh, it's quite comforting, I think. Yeah, yeah. For me, it was really. I used to go to a ton of heavy metal shows, and that was really a hard aspect of of the pandemic of not being able to go to those shows. Because for, and I'm sure it's the same thing for a lot of like drone bass heads, and uh, not being able to go to those shows and express all that emotion and mm. anxiety, whatever you have in you, and uh yeah it's for, for me it's definitely a genre of music where yeah just conveys so much more emotion than anything else i've i've really listened to or discovered uh so wh- wh- what kind of bands do you do you listen to at the moment deaf deaf heaven i've never really listened to them but uh they kind of do um it's kind of they like they're, they're quite interesting because they're, they're like their sound is like often described as like a mixture of like shoegaze and okay. like um like deathcore deathcore i don't know death metal so yeah. it's like quite thrashy but then also has the um like thrashy and screaming but then also has kind of the like indie style shoegaze like tones to it that sounds really um, weird <laughs> it's weird but it's like i think it's really cool because i think like a lot of the things that like put me off metal was like I, I think like bands like Slayer and stuff up there. Mm. Like I, I used to so I, growing up I used to really like Metallica. But I loved mm. Metallica. Um I don't like listen to it as much anymore just because I think like either I've like overdone it or I just like don't relate to it in the same way, I guess. Mm. But um yeah, like other metal I really like um this is like a completely different side of metal, like Animals as Leaders. They yeah. do like uh, the prog side, yeah. Prog, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of more into like prog stuff. Um, yeah, like I can't really like I don't really like listen to many other like like periphery or stuff like that. Yeah, I don't particularly like periphery. I quite like them, okay. but um, I like didn't really get into them really. Um, yeah. Sometimes it's too complicated. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's like <laughs> I think 
there's stuff it sounds like it's too it sounds a bit too programmed at some points yeah 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 um and like but like in a when it's like actual electronic music and it's programmed it's fine but mm. when it's like more live based music in its programs then it's like i don't i don't really find like the sound palette particularly interesting yeah, yeah. and i don't find like and then so I'm like i'm kind of even looking for like hearing like their cool technical ability or just like really great songwriting and then i feel like none of it's like there if it's that programmed and it's in the same way it's like it doesn't really yeah. i don't really get out what i was like kind of looking for yeah yeah uh, yes, yeah, so I, I never really fully got into prog metal because sometimes it just felt like, okay, we've got 25 cool riffs. We're going to all yeah. pack them into one song. And it's yeah, like, exactly. what, what, what am I listening to here? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, there's, there's never anything that's like, that really hits me like first time with it. Mm. But once like you've listened, but I've, I've found with like, found with like, so Animals Leads is probably like my band I've listened to the most last year and this year of like or of like any music like the artists that i listen to the most and like there's i actually found like so there's loads of depth to their songs whenever i listen to like a new one that i haven't really heard i don't i'm not really that into it but then i get mm. so much more into it like the more i listen to and then you kind of reach that like peak where you can kind of like hear what they were hearing when they were writing it like yeah. when you know how all the rhythms work and everything like lines up and you kind of get that eureka of ah oh, yes Mm. <laughs> I'm like I'm there with it. Yeah. Um. So I feel like if you put the time into like, just give it a couple listens through, then after a while you're like, these like weird rhythms like then become like quite natural, and then you can kind of hear mm. how they play off it, and that's actually quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The the like barrier to entry is a lot higher for those yeah. types of bands. You have to. You have to do a bit of like homework almost to get into them. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like I've had to, or like I felt watching them, people do like live playing it live was helped quite a lot because like yeah. then you can really like appreciate like in um animals as leaders they're like all amazing musicians, mm. and when you can kind of like see them doing it, it's like oh, okay, this is a yeah. like quite a spectacle. Yeah, yeah, it's also it's composed of um two guitarists and a drummer. And the two guitarists both play eight string guitars. Yeah. Um, the 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 really weird shaped one, like the white one, like yeah. Actually, like I've seen pictures of it. It's like, is that still a guitar? Yeah. So yeah, Tosin Abassi, he makes the yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. He like has his own guitar brand and has like loads of crazy shaped stuff. But he's a like probably definitely my favorite guitarist. He's he's amazing. Um, and then the the guy he plays with Javier is um, he's like came from like a classical background. But then has loads of like amazing like classical eight string songs, and then it's interesting to hear how like they make music together because you can hear like each other's mm. in- influences um, and like their styles of playing like affect each other, mm. and like Tosin does loads of stuff inspired by like um, like the Wooten Brothers, uh, like their their slap techniques and stuff like that, mm. and it's like it's cool to hear like these bands have well it's like when you know people's inspirations like, it's always quite nice when you can like relate to them as people and like see how they how they draw on stuff yeah so yeah i feel that's like i feel like a lot of the um yeah going back to like a lot of the other like metal bands that i don't really like i think it's like they feel a bit too serious mm. um which i'm not really like a fan of I, 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 they feel like not very self-aware mm. and you get like 
yeah, there's a lot of bands like those kind of like heavy metal bands that are all quite like linked with like white supremacy and things like that. It's just like I definitely don't want to be yeah supporting <laughs> that in any way. So <laughs> yeah, it's like it's quite a, like a difficult the scene to tread. I think you have to be like watch out for the the, the bands that yeah you think are going to be good. Yeah, yeah. There's often a lot of like cinematics and theatrical stuff when when it comes to metal and it's all very especially the darker side of metal is all very serious and, yeah and all that and sometimes you just want like a, a bit like in drone bass you just want a banger like a good heavy riff and yeah it doesn't have to be a, if you want the unserious aspect i don't know if you've ever heard of steel panther but they're no, like the they're like the opposite but they're not I, I don't know if it's metal it's more heavy rock uh okay. But it, they're like almost a joke band. I think they started as a kind of um, a parody of like the hair metal scene of yeah. like Bon Jovi and all that era. Uh, so like they're normal, normal dudes. But if you look at pictures of them, they're like long hair and like fishnets and, you know, all that <laughs> that style. But they have so their like lyrics are completely like not safe for work. Like it's really yeah. like, very bad, but they have amazing riffs. So if you just want to have like like fun like party party metal almost yeah like they're a really good band okay I'll, I'll check them out <laughs> yeah definitely like don't put them on speakers in at at we work yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah no cool I, I always love chatting about metal sometimes i think i should start another podcast just focused on metal because uh that's my other like big love uh in music but um so yeah, yeah just, send, me, ta- send me some more recommendations because it's not a scene that i know very well um, um yeah oh, i've got plenty of bands and if you're more into the like modern stuff i'll send you a few like parkway drive would be like my all-time favorites if you've ever listened to those guys they're uh, yeah uh, yeah they're amazing they're actually uh, an australian band um but they're yeah they're huge in the current like metal metal core scene um yeah i'll send you a few cool. there's a lot to discover yeah yeah <laughs> but uh yeah so, so just talking about like cello and, and guitar and all that so um going back to your like uh earlier years i get how how did you kind of get started in electronic music starting from a more classical background how did that bridge happen um so i didn't like electronic music for a long time um <coughs> sorry uh, i might get some more soon um yeah i didn't yeah, like electro- it, yeah. i didn't like electronic sorry okay um yeah i didn't like electronic music for a very long time or the music that I did like that was actually electronic music, I didn't really like think of as electronic music. So like, the first album that I bought was uh, Demon Days by Gorillaz, mm. which is like, is electronic music. Yeah. But I wouldn't have like classed it as electronic music because it had like vocals or some um, live elements that I didn't think. It just like, it didn't break like that boundary in my brain to uh, mm. think of it as electronic music. Um, and then... So, like, I already listened to a lot of electronic music, just kind of, like, without realising it. But then I kind of got into, like, dance music um, or, like, more, like, club-focused music um, through my younger brother. So he was, like, I don't know how he got into, like, electronic music, but he was always listening to, like, when he was 13 and 12, was always he had, like, all of, like, the hospitality drum-based CDs mm. and, like, he had, like, loads of... Uh, the UKF CDs, like the um, Dubstep All Stars ones. Um, he had like stuff from like, basically like the whole range. He had like some like 
IB3 type ones as well. He basically just had like so much dance music. Um, but I kind of like, I didn't get it at the time. Um, I like would just like take, make fun of him for it, for listening to like computer <laughs> noise and things like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, it was always just like quite a, it's just like, I don't know. I, I just like taking the piss out of it really. I don't think it was for, for any real reason, just of sign today, I guess. Suppose. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I like, yeah, it was never, I was never into it. And then like, I started listening to, um, I know I heard it was when like Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites came out. Mm. Um, I remember he- hearing like, yeah, like the title of the track and just being like, this is ridiculous. But then, because it was like so ridiculous that I started actually liking it. Yeah, same, and then, man. Yeah. Same. <laughs> and it's actually also my younger brother who made oh, me. Oh, really? Just, yeah, he's like a year and a half younger than me. Yeah. And I used to listen to a bit of electronic music, but he, and that is, this is really stupid, but I remember the place he showed me, like at our parents' place. Yeah. I remember the computer in the living room and him showing me, like, oh, I love that. Scary yeah. Monsters and Nice Pride. And my first reaction was, like, this is stupid. Like, this yeah. is not music. I refuse. But then it kind of gets stuck. And it, it does, sticks with yeah. You. <laughs> it really, like, it hits something so different because I'd never heard anything like it. Yeah. And then I remember I was listening to, like, it was a, I remember I kind of like the moment I kind of got into it. Like, there was a Skrillex and 12th Planet mix on, um, uh, for Ultra Music Festival 2012. And then, like, I remember just, like, I was like, okay, so this Skrillex music is, like, ridiculous. Let's see what it's, like, live. So I went on the live video and then found, like, this mix. And then someone, like, posted in, like, a timestamp. It was just, like, some, like, um, drum-based version of one of the classic Skrillex songs. I was like, wow, this is actually really cool. (laughs) Um, I kind of get into it from that. Yeah, you kind of drop drop any pretense and just embrace it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then, um... I think it was like, yeah, when you get to see other people like enjoying something as well, that's kind of like ties everything together. And you're like, oh, wow, okay, this is cool. Mm. So then, yeah, like kind of after that, I remember um, uh, probably like forward uh, a month or two, we were like thinking, like, okay, how do you make this music? Because I think it was like coming from the start point of like, it should be pretty easy, right? It's just like mm. computer sounds and things like that. So, Press um, buttons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I remember we were on, well, like my brother had already started making electronic music at that point. Um, and I remember being in his room and we were looking up like, like how to make like the kind of like more, we were like, okay, so we can make like basic sounds. How would you make like the crazy like FM bases from Scratch and things like that? And then we went on like Loop Masters and found like the Sennheiser like dubstep pack. We were like playing the demos and we're like, oh my god, this is crazy. <laughs> and then like, <laughs> I remember like racing downstairs to try and like download it before he did. <laughs> and then um, never use the samples first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then we had some like, old like massive. It was like loads of, all about massive presets and stuff. Like, and we had one called like Tunecraft Growl Arsenal that we bought. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, things like that and it was just like it was yeah it was a very exciting time mm. and we both were kind of like making dubstep mm. so, and then, so what, yeah yeah sorry go ahead and then yeah he ended up um having some like he yeah he got hit up by like tice for division for like a, a remix when he was like 13 i think oh wow or maybe 15 it was basically it was like 
a year or two into his production. Because he was just making something that was so like different that yeah, he was uh he was way ahead of his time. I remember he was making like he made like a halftime track which like Ivy Lab played at their like twenty twenty like their opening twenty twenty night and stuff. Oh wow. Like their first night of doing that. So it was he was doing a lot of like cool stuff from very early on. Mm. Is he still making music now? Yeah, yeah, he's still making music. He makes like um a lot of different types of art now as well, not just music. Um oh, nice. But you can find his music. Um so his his like main alias that he doesn't really use anymore is Think Twice. Mm. And then if you like his more current stuff, I think he posts under Other Men. Other um, Men, okay. Yeah. So he does like a lot of stuff. I think, I'm not sure whether it's all up to date on Spotify, but he's got a lot of stuff on Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes a lot, a lot of, I don't really know how to describe his music, which is like always a good thing because he's like, yeah. he really does his own thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's if like, can... yeah, it's very different and special. If you can't associate it to any yeah. other artist, that's that's usually a good sign. It's like, yeah, it's his own stuff. <laughs> yeah, it really is. He's really got his own sound, so yeah. yeah. How, how was it to, because I know you two collaborated on one of the tracks on the, the Metalheads EP. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how did that collab come about? Uh, was it an we, easy process to collab with your brother? Or? Yeah, it was. Um, it was an in-person collab. We started it in... Uh, he came to visit me when I was at uni in Bristol and then we just kind of like played around. We kind of, I think I, we both had like an idea or it was like a, on a, a song that I just started. So it was quite a, an early idea and uh, he, I, he basically played some melodies on it over the top and stuff. And then we were just kind of like working it out together. And then later on when I'd like first out of it, he basically made all of the, uh, the later on section, which I which I really love, where like there's like a melody that comes in, mm. probably like thirty two bars in, um, like played with the lead, and it just sounds like excellent. It's just like yeah, it's a really like, just like brings the whole track together, and then mm. just made some more other bits as well. I kind mm. of just like put them in the project and arranged them. Mm. So it was that was a super easy collab, yeah. Mm. And we've done some we've done some stuff like in the past. We've made quite a lot of tracks together. And it was like it was always a really fun time. Like when we both like lived at home, um, in the same house together and like made tracks together, it was always like a you spend like it was just always like a really great like evening or something. We just spend mm. a lot of time just working on something together. Yeah. Do you... no, yeah, we always worked on like his computer. He was always like in, in control, in charge. He he was the one in charge, the younger brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Would he be more, like, would you consider him more, like, I don't know, technically advanced or yeah, knowledgeable? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, he was definitely, like, much better producer. So it was, mm. like, made sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool that you guys can can share that. Like, I I have two younger brothers, and they both love music, but none of them really, like, got into music as, as much as I did. Although... My younger, the youngest, he picked up the guitar again, like he learned when he was a kid and like now he's 25 or whatever and he picked it up again now and he's really, really into it, like yeah. more, but like acoustic, like finger picking, like really nice. complex patterns, like stuff I, I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> What's that? Like flamenco and things like that. 
uh, more like uh, covers from like popular uh, pop songs or whatever um, stuff like uh, I, he played this cover of Linkin Park mm. and it's this kind of you know finger picking with the melody and the singing at yeah, the same yeah. time and that's that kind very of stuff. cool yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it's yeah it's just really cool to see him like really get into it again because yeah he he never played any instrument for I don't know 10-15 years and mm. now he's back into it so. yeah that's really nice yeah, it's a cool, it's a nice thing to be able to like share with, with your brothers. I feel. I re- yeah, uh, I really agree. Yeah, yeah. So, so at what point from making like crazy sounds and dubstep tracks and that kind of stuff, what point did it kind of shift towards, yeah, drone bass? And what point did you think like, okay, I'm gonna actually put some time to this and take it a bit more seriously? Well, initially, I think I changed because, I just couldn't really I couldn't make the the sounds that I wanted to and I couldn't really like create that tear up dubstep sound that I really wanted to do and then like after that I was kind of like well just play to your strengths if you're not good at making these things make try and make things that are more like minimal mm. um because it requires like similar technicality but in a very different way um so then it not, like naturally led me to make stuff that was more, you know, and also stuff that was kind of more like socially acceptable with like my friends and <laughs> socially acceptable. I like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like things that like, it was like, yeah, the influence of like my friends and stuff at the time. It's like, you know, trying to make something that's, that you could like show to people and not be like really embarrassed by. <laughs> <laughs> I love your depiction of Terra dubstep is like, music you don't really show to your friends <laughs> i did yeah no way not even now i wouldn't <laughs> i still listen to a load of terror dubstep but it's not like uh i just have very few friends that like enjoy it so it's not something that i mm. would like show around really yeah no so, no means to hate on terror dubstep though but <laughs> yeah no actually like a quick uh uh side, side note i don't know if you saw this uh like homemade documentary about dubstep uh, it's called All My Homies Hate Skrillex. Uh, no, I heard about it. I, didn't, I haven't seen it. Oh, uh, you should watch it. It's brilliant. It's just this dude in his bedroom. And he does these documentaries like one hour long. And he did one on dubstep about like the origins of dubstep when it was yeah. really like dark and minimal and grimy and like burial and those kind of guys. And then how it kind of got hijacked by, by Skrillex and then yeah. that whole movement. And now when you hear dubstep most people think about skrillex and mm. kind of his journey going through it and and all that really really interesting i didn't know any any anything really about it before i watched it so i'll, I'll send it through for you you should definitely yeah. watch it i mean it, yeah it's crazy to think that like like how even like skrillex would have even kind of like heard about it so i felt like it was as like it's a uk origin thing mm. yeah definitely yeah um like kind of, I don't know really how like, that sound like really went across because I like I'd never thought dubstep was very popular in America, um, so yeah, I can't really imagine how like Skrillex would have got involved in it. Yeah, yeah, it just got, I don't know. Yeah, he put his own spin on it and it yeah. got huge, and then that became synonymous with dubstep. Yeah, yeah. But if you listen to earlier dubstep stuff, it's it's nothing to do with like the tear out dubstep of i think you can, you can hear similar things in like you know like koki mm, yeah yeah exactly yeah like yeah, tunes yeah. like like any of his like tunes like they've got so many like similarity like you could you could so easily see like uh 
genre spinning off of that or like mm. rhythm coming out of like yeah. just being massively influenced by his sound and things like that um yeah. but yeah it's cool yeah so so yeah at, at what point did you think like <clears throat> like taking it more seriously and like gigging and getting on metal heads like that doesn't just happen no <laughs> making one tune a year like you have to <laughs> so how yeah. did that happen well i always liked um i kind of like inside like i always liked playing music at parties and things um like growing up and it was kind of a bit of a progression from that i remember like one of my friends had a a party that i like did an actual like dj set up with like a serato controller and uh it was like i just had it i just thought it was really fun mm-hmm. so i'd never I, i can't remember when i started playing gigs um 2016 2017 i think um so when I went to uni, I thought, oh, I still, I kind of want to like play more. So I joined their like DJ society and then like got some opportunities to like play out, um, and through that, and I started playing. Like the, the first gig I played was for a promoter that's like very big now called Dazed. They used to do like um, Tuesday nights at Blue Mountain Club in Bristol, which um, sadly shut down recently. Um, but they used to just do like these. Uh, Tuesday night events, it was like one pound on the door before 11 or something. Nice. And it was like a very classic like student night. They'd always get like like a good artist down and then loads of um, support in. Um, and then like I had the, yeah, the chance to be support acts on some of the nights. And it was like, I just really enjoyed it. And it kept, and it was just kind of like a natural progression of being like, how do I do this more? Mm. <laughs> and then ended up getting like so yeah so doing more local shows and then at the same time I was producing just I just kept producing because I, I enjoyed it and it was like always like a nice goal to hear like your songs in the clubs like when I remember when having friends uh who were like further ahead in their careers than me like um like Emmanuel John when he was Signal I remember him playing Fabric and he played one of my songs and it was like that was such an amazing moment. Um, and it was kind of just like, it was kind of just like, kept having that, that forward motion of people around you doing well, inspiring you. Um, and just having that like community there, I just think, and like knowing that you can do it. Mm. Like when you can see people around you do things in, you think, Oh, I can do it too. Yeah. And it kind of leads you to, to get there. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of just like having that good support network of friends um but then also being involved in like the the club scene uh in like my local area and stuff mm. like having the that kind of online world and then the real world kind mm. of helped to well because i was just spending like a lot of time doing both mm. then it's kind of like it was only natural that it would kind of just like go somewhere at least yeah yeah is it ever something you you thought about pursuing really like full time? Yeah, um, I did. Uh, kind of like towards the end of my like at time at uni, I was thinking, oh yeah, I could do it full time. Mm. Um, but then whenever I thought about times where I yeah, I just didn't want the pressure. Basically, mm. like I was, I was happy to. Like, if I thought oh, throughout my entire time at uni, entire time at school and stuff, I always found enough time to make music. 
and I was like happy with where I was at the time. Mm. I kind of just thought, as in like I was happy with like the the progress I'd made and like what I'd been doing. I thought I can just kind of continue doing that. Yeah. Um, I thought that like sometimes having too much time uh, on something can be a bad thing. Um, mm. I didn't want pressure on my creativity because sometimes you just go through periods where you don't write anything or don't even want to make music. And then mm. I don't, I felt like I'd get the same enjoyment. Like I'd still have the same amount of time that I have currently enjoying making music as I would if I did it full time. But I'd also have a hell of a lot of time where I'm not enjoying making music. Yeah. Making <laughs> it just like to. that filler. <laughs> and it's just, and I hand I have to. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. like, you would, I would imagine it becoming a bit more job like, but I just like, if I'm going to be like, chances are I'm not going to enjoy doing it every day. Hmm. And if I'm not going to enjoy doing it every day, I might do as well do something else that I don't enjoy doing every day. That's a bit more secure. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good calculation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's kind of why I, I didn't. And I, yeah, I kind of didn't want um to have to play. So like so many shows all the time as well. Cause it's like, yeah. I didn't want to have to be, it's quite, I feel it's quite like, a solitary thing like whenever i played like long stretches of shows and then haven't been able to see my friends on the weekends and have really like any time for myself it kind of felt like i felt a bit lost i kind of felt like i need to have some more time for myself yeah um so i don't think i'd have been able like i don't think i'd be able to do it uh like every weekend like mm. massive respect to the ggs that do because it's a ma- it's like people don't under- un- understand like the amount of like effort and it's like insane. and how draining it is as well even purely on a like sleep schedule basis yeah awful. of like going to bed at five or six in the morning two three nights a, a week and then shifting back to a normal yeah. schedule trying to make music then doing it all over again week in week out it's insane honestly I, it's, um, yeah, yeah i remember um uh, coming back from a gig in, uh, oh, it was in 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 France in Toulouse. Um, I remember coming back on on the plane with Voltage, and I was talking to him about. He was like, basically, like this was, I think, a gig from a stint of twelve nights he had in a row of gigs. Jesus Christ! <laughs> and, uh, it, it was it was incredible that he was like, and he was just like took it on. And you did your one show in Toulouse, and you I did were my, yeah, my one, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I did my one, one show, and then had to have like a, a lot of sleeping after that. But yeah, he did his like twelve shows in a row, and still going. And I was, it was it's massively admirable because it's yeah. uh, it's not an easy job, and I think you get a lot of and no one understands that it's not an easy job either. Everyone says like, oh, but you're doing what you love and things like that. But it's like that's a very large They're, underestimation yeah. of what it's actually like. Yeah, there's so many sacrifices that go into it, and same for like touring bands and and all of that. When I would yeah. watch like documentaries of my favorite bands, and they're in a tiny van for like two months, and yeah, with three t-shirts and no shower, it's like I don't actually want to do this. <laughs> yeah, it's like probably for like doing that, it's probably like fun to do once. Exactly. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember watching um a video of like Def Heaven were talking about one of their their tours and like. They were like, yeah, recently we've like, because they, they, they said like they wrote a lot of their like first albums when they were like really sad, but now they're like happier. They're like when they go on tour, they like go for like 
some of them don't drink some will go for like swims in the morning or like we'll mm. go to the gym in the morning and like do these things it's like yeah touring doesn't have to be like you don't have to make it so hard on yourself <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i guess it's different for bands because like s- schedule are a lot more reasonable yeah when you're when you're a dj and you get the <clears throat> the 5 a.m slot or something you there's not much you can do about it and yeah you have to and also like as a dj you often well big djs play multiple shows in one night mm. so you, you might play like three shows in one night and then <laughs> you have to play one get driven to the next one yeah it's, yeah, it's crazy it's crazy <laughs> yeah no yeah no being a software engineer is uh probably a safer safer bet for your mental yeah. and physical health i think for yeah now. yeah <laughs> yeah no brilliant i'm gonna yeah bring this slowly to a close uh it's been brilliant chatting with you man really enjoyed this yeah me too getting to getting to meet you i'll definitely send you a few metal bands and and that documentary i told you about um but yeah before we shut off uh anything else you want to mention future projects shows you'll be playing at any of that good stuff well i only thing is to say keep an eye out for the album because it is the announcement is going very soon nice um and if it's announced by the time that this comes out, <laughs> take a time to read it and yeah, please listen. Cause it's been a massive project, which I haven't uh, put this much effort into any other project before. So it's a, it's a big deal for me. Um, and I think it reflects it in the music as well. So mm. yeah, take a listen if you get the chance. Brilliant. All right. Well, all the best with the album launch. Hope it goes well. And, uh, yeah, maybe we can do another one of these chats once the album is out and uh, kind of review it together. But uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. In the meantime, all the best, man. Cheers. Yeah, you too, man. See ya.